Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB, aka Danielle Bezalel. Let's get into it. Welcome back to season three. We are so excited to be back for a brand spanking new season, bringing you all the sex ed you never got through intersectional and unique storytelling. In episode one, we delve deep into birth control and the side effects we don't really talk about. Returning for the third time on the podcast, we have my mother, Dr. Rebecca levy Gant. My mom is the ultimate badass. She is an OBGYN and a certified menopause practitioner who has been practicing for the last 10 years in Napa, California. We also have on the awesome Alice Pelton. Alice created the lowdown after she realized that she couldn't find user-based data on women's experiences and side effects from contraception at scale anywhere. For years, she struggled to find a form of contraception that didn't impact her mood. So she decided to do something to help women like her and create the TripAdvisor for contraceptives. Before we get into this episode, we wanted to be clear about something. While this episode is about birth control and all the side effects and symptoms that may come along with being on it, Sex Ed with DB is undeniably pro-birth control. Simply put, we believe that birth control access is essential to ensuring people have options. Options to pursue education or a career or just to not have a kid when you don't want one. While we support birth control access for all, we think it's important to delve a little deeper and ask the harder questions like, are people on the right birth control for them? What kinds of side effects are we just accepting as commonplace and not discussing? Also, let this serve as a reminder that not only women take birth control— It's important to us to be as inclusive as possible. All that said, here I am with my best friend in the world, my mom, Dr. Rebecca Levy-Gant. Well, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. And this episode is all about birth control, which you know a lot about because you're a freaking doctor. (laughs) And we're just going to kind of dive in. Does that sound good? One of my favorite topics. Cool. That's great. Great to hear. Um, (laughs) Besides talking about me, of course. Just kidding. Well, that's uh, not, that goes without saying. Oh, <laughs> But I love to talk about you and birth control. At the that? same damn time. <laughs> okay. Um, let's start by you telling us, like, the. so first of all, you have been practicing for how many years? Over 30 years? Oh, about 25. 25 years. I'm overshooting mm-hmm. it. I'm overshooting mm-hmm. it. So you have interacted with a lot of people who you've prescribed birth control for. Um, is that true? Cor- correct. Correct. Um, cool. So currently, can you tell us the most common forms of birth control and what makes them unique? Okay. Most common um, really has to do a lot with, um, one, where you you practice because, you know, I used to practice in New York. Now I practice out in California and I have found um, trends towards birth control very different in the two places. Hmm. But one thing that I always find is probably I would call it most popular form of birth control would be a birth control pill and for many different reasons. And I think um, one of the main reasons a birth control pill is the most popular is because it is very self-controlled. Like, people can take the pill. If they don't like it, they stop taking it. All the effects will go away. It's not Mm -hmm. something that they have to have a procedure 
to um, be protected. It's not something that they have to, you know, go to a doctor's office and have pain medication or have something implanted in their bodies. So when people uh, tend to want to control their own birth control, they reach for the easiest thing, I think, and that's a birth control pill. Mm, that makes sense. Um, and besides people's doctors, where can people go to learn more about birth control? Uh, there's some really excellent websites out there. I mean, first of all, everybody who is working in the field, like every physician or nurse practitioner, midwife, et cetera, um, everybody pretty much has their own informational uh, website or informational uh, packets that people can read, including myself, as far as, you know, when people come to the office, they can actually get inundated with all kinds of packets of information. So, but besides me, um, a couple of the websites that are really good for people looking for good information, um, correct information on birth control would be something like Planned Parenthood website, which has really excellent uh, blurbs on every different type of birth control, as well as people's opinions on how they have felt on different types of birth control. And also one that I recommend to my patients when they leave my office is um, a website called bedsider.org, mm-hmm. which is really excellent because they even do things like they can send you a text reminder uh, it's time to take your pill or a reminder at the end of the month it's time to take your NuvaRing out or something like that. And, and that's very much in keeping with how people operate these days. You know, like they are very connected to different sites or different apps that, that uh, signal them for different reasons, and uh, that works really well. Awesome. Um, and this is kind of like a loaded question because obviously everyone is different, and um, there are a lot, a lot of different kinds of birth control out there, but I'm wondering what are side effects that can result from using each of, you know, these forms of birth control out there, um, and how common is it that you have patients who have side effects from their birth control? Okay, that's a really, really long answer, so I hope you have a lot of time for my Oh, we have time, Mom. (laughs) But what I can say is there's definitely two categories of this whole birth control side effects thing. One is the myth, which means people who come into the office and go, I've heard that this kind of birth control can cause this. And those are all the myths of like, I really, I hate to repeat them, but because they're so not true, but these are the common things that people hear from other people and they're afraid of those things. And that's either why they won't use that particular type of birth control or that when they come in asking about it, they say, I've heard from these people that this is what will happen to me if I use this birth control. So I'm just going to briefly mention Yeah, what are some of those myths? (laughs) Okay, so one is, that if you use birth control, it will affect your future fertility. Complete myth. Almost all birth control, with the exception, let's say, of a Depo-Provera shot, which does have a little bit of a longer-lasting effect after you've stopped using it, almost all other birth control really have no future effect on fertility. So let's say you're using a birth control pill and you stop using it. Pretty much immediately after you stop using it, your fertility will return to whatever it was before you started using it in the first place. So it's out of your system. There's not a long-term effect. So that's a really, uh, that, that myth is very high on the scale of like why people don't want to use things because they're mm. afraid that it might affect their future ability to have children. So that's not true. Um, and then everybody, I would say <laughs> nine out of 10 people come in and think every single birth control method causes them to gain weight. And which is kind of silly because 
first of all, not every method has hormones in it. And if people are thinking about what would make them gain weight, it might be something about a hormonal method. But I've even heard from people who are talking about, let's say, a non-hormonal IUD come in and go, I heard that if I got that IUD in there, um, it's going to make me gain weight. And like scientifically speaking, there's, there's no... There's no connection at all. However, mm-hmm. certain birth control methods um, that have certain hormones in them, like progesterone, there's there are a possibility that it can increase your appetite or it can increase your cravings for certain kinds of food, and that is true. So, mm-hmm. of course, if you take that one step further, um, if you have an increased appetite or certain cravings and you pay attention to them and you eat more and eat the craved foods, it goes to uh, figure that you will probably gain some weight as well. So, but in general, you know, those are things that keep people away from, from various methods. And it really takes a lot of sit down and a lot of counseling to, to realize that most of those things are not true. And I, I can't say in every case it's not true because we all know the one or two odd individuals, which it could happen that, um, you know, one month after starting one particular method and they, they haven't changed their diet, they haven't done anything differently, and they are five pounds heavier. Well, maybe there's some water retention or maybe there's something else going on, but that's not the norm. That would be mm-hmm. an unusual case. So anyway, the, the common side effects would be the number one side effect of almost every type of birth control is some type of change in the menstrual cycle. So that could be for better or for worse, but most people who go on a, some type of birth control if they're looking to have an improvement in their menstrual cycle, then they really need a lot of good counseling about the various methods to see which ones would be likely to improve the cycle that they're desiring. So if they want to make sure they see a period every single month because it makes them feel better, then only certain pills will give them that what we call a withdrawal bleed or their period every single month. So Mm -hmm. they should probably stick with those methods. Other side effects as far as cycles, are concerned would be some methods are more likely to give you some irregular spotting or bleeding throughout the month. And that needs to be discussed at the outset because if someone gets a nexplanon, which is a small rod inserted under the arm, under the skin of the arm, um, if someone gets that inserted without somebody counseling them at the outset that this is likely to give you some irregular spotting or bleeding throughout the month, and they really haven't done their job in counseling them correctly. And when the person ends up with that irregular spotting or bleeding, they often feel like that's a problem or that was unexpected or there's something wrong with the method or it's not working, and they may want to have it taken out. But it's likely to happen, so people need to know about that. And then, of course, there are methods that will take your periods away completely. So there are several methods that are likely to stop you from having a menstrual cycle at all. And some people are desiring that and some people are not but it's all in the counseling, let's say, at the first session as to what type of cycle are you interested in having, and that would be the way to explore the different methods. Yeah, I, that's a really, really good answer. And in terms of the patients that come in and say, you know, the, obviously there's a, a gray area and a spectrum, but would you say that a majority of your patients experience some sort of symptom or side effect, or would you say that, like, it's half and half with patients who really like their birth control method and the other half, like, aren't really sure? Or what's, what's like, the breakdown? I would say if the counseling is appropriate, like, if I really ask somebody what's important to them as far as cycle control, as far as side effects, et cetera, and then we gear our birth control to that particular individual, 
then the success rate is quite high. I would say about 70 to 80% of people are happy with the method once they go on it if the counseling has been proper. If that hadn't happened, much less, of course, chance of success. But um, the other 20 to 30% of people have side effects that are maybe not unexpected, but not desired either. And and the list of those would be things like I've definitely had people who um, had more acne with certain type of methods. So they would stop that method because sometimes you just, no matter what you do, you can't get rid of that. I've mm-hmm. had some people who have had like some uh, mood alterations, like severe depression or anxiety or something after starting a method. And of course, the counseling should have been appropriate from the beginning because if you have somebody who tends towards that, you might want to stay away from methods that are known to possibly have that side effect. But it also could be an unexpected side effect. So in the 20% 20 to 30% of people that have unexpected side effects that they're unhappy with, I would say about half of them were able to do something to circumvent those side effects and, and fix it while they're still on the method. And the other half, they just either have to switch off to a different method or switch off birth control altogether. The first hormonal birth control pill was approved in the 1960s and basically hasn't developed at all since then. Maybe one of the reasons so many people report negative side effects on birth control pills is the fact that science hasn't prioritized advancement in this area. Either way, considering other forms of birth control besides the pill may be a better option for many people out there. And speaking of that, so how do you help and counsel patients to choose the best form of birth control for them? Like, what are there lifestyle factors or other health issues that you take into consideration when helping them piss, piss, nope, helping them pick the best birth control for them? Or like, what, what's the process of the counseling? Okay, so you know me very well, and you know that I'm... I don't know if Rebecca, if that is your real name. (laughs) I know you know me very well, and you know that one thing about me is that I have a method, right? And so Mm -hmm. every single time, let's say I book an appointment that's going to be a birth control counseling appointment, I do it pretty much the same way every time. Like, I want to make sure I hit all the right points so that I'm not missing anything to counsel the patient appropriately. So I have kind of what we call my spiel, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a Yiddish word for my talk, right? So um, I have a flip chart, and the most important thing to get across when you're doing a, a full counseling session on what type of birth control would be right for which patient is, number one, you definitely want to eliminate people who are not candidates for certain methods because of medical problems or medical history. So an example of that would be a patient who has a history of migraines with aura, which means the migraines where someone um, gets the sensation that a migraine is going to come on and they get flashing lights or nausea or one of those other symptoms with aura. They 100% are not candidates for birth control that contains estrogen. That's just what we call a contraindication. So the first, it's dangerous. So the first thing you have to do is take a very good history and make sure that you know what are all the patient's medical problems or issues that they've had in the past that, they, that may point you in a direction toward or away from a particular type of birth control. So a good history is key. Second thing is um, I always ask the question about how much does the patient want to control their own method of birth control. Because some people, as you know, are very controlling people. Nobody I know, but, you know, 
Some uh-huh. people are very controlling and want Does to that be mean? able to, no, 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 just um, some people are very controlling and want to be able to say, okay, I don't want something that I can't stop when I feel I want to stop it. So you, of course, need to know that about them. If somebody is uh, the type of person who wants to be able to say, I'll take a pill every day. I'm very good at taking a pill every day. I'll remember to do it every day. So that method will work well for me. And and I'm the type of person who wants to be able to say, if I don't feel well on it, I know that it's within my power to stop mm. it at that moment. So you kind of have to know what type of person they are. Um, so, of course, I always ask them, are you a person who would like to take something every day and have the uh, efficacy of your birth control be dependent on your ability to do it? So mm-hmm. many, especially younger women and girls, will tell me, that's not for me. I, I'll forget to take it. I won't bring it with me or something like that. Because in all honesty, if you're on a birth control pill and you don't take it properly, that's probably worse than not being on it at all. Because if you don't take it properly, you think you're protected. You think you're protected. Exactly. And you're not. So I always ask, you know, what type of person they are as far, far as wanting that control or wanting what we call, and I don't love this terminology, but many people use it, the set it and forget it method kind of. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to use an IUD or something that we call a long-acting reversible contraceptive, that more likely goes along with people's idea that I want to have this protection, but I don't want to think about it every day. So then I would gear them more towards something that's more long-acting. Mm-hmm. So as I go down my flip chart, so I ask them about history, ask them about what they feel about controlling it, how they would feel about doing something every day. And then if they don't think they want to do something every day, then we move to methods that are not daily methods and we go through the whole chart where it comes to, if it's not a daily method, what about a weekly method? So the weekly method would be something like a patch. You put it on for a week, you change it every week, you wear it for three weeks in a row, take it off for the fourth week, get a period, and so on. So if you like the idea of a birth control pill and controlling your periods, but daily is just not for you, maybe weekly would be, then we'd go with a patch. So what if weekly is not good for you? Maybe monthly. The next thing down the line, trending towards a longer-acting uh, birth control, would be a new Exactly. You have birth control jeopardy. <laughs> so... Um, Maneuvering, of course, then that lends itself to another question. Are you a person who uses tampons for your periods or not? Because people who are anti-sticking their fingers in their own vaginas at various times of the month would probably not be a person that would be a good candidate for maneuvering. And, you know, mm-hmm. no, ju- no judgment on that. They need to know themselves that they feel mm-hmm. comfortable having something in there that stays in there. For maneuvering supposed to stay in there for about 21 days. Um, I would gear them toward or away from that depending on how they feel about that. And then, of course, then we move on to even more long-acting things like something like a Depo-Provera shot, which is an every 12-week shot. So then, of course, that goes back to the idea of how do they feel about having something in their body that they cannot remove or control if they don't like the way they feel. My mom goes on to talk about LARCs, or long-acting reversible contraception methods. These are methods like Nexplanon, aka the implant, hormonal IUDs, aka Skyla, Morena, and Lyletta, and the copper non-hormonal IUD, aka Paragard. The implant lasts for up to four years, hormonal IUDs last between three and six years, and non-hormonal IUDs last up to 12 years. And these methods are over 99% effective.
personally, I go down this whole flip chart as far as medical history, what type of person they are, what type of control they want, how long do they want it to last, and then, of course, what type of cycle do they want to see, what are they comfortable with, because we go through what is the likelihood that each one of these different methods will give them one or another type of cycle, all the way from a regular cycle to irregular bleeding to no cycle at all. So once I put all that information together, um, then we usually come at the end of that whole discussion as to here's the one or two methods that sound like they'd be best for you. Mm -hmm. And usually we can come to something that sounds like it's right for them. And just one point I want to make, um, it's absolutely the most um, common reason that someone comes in asking for a particular birth control method is because their friend is on it. Um, mm-hmm. That is the number one thing that I hear, both pro and con. Like people will come in and go, my friend has this Mirena IUD. She absolutely loves it. I want one. That outweighs any counseling session that I might have had with them about maybe it's not for you or maybe this bleeding pattern is not what you're looking right. for. If their friend is happy with it, as in many other things that I hear from people, if a friend or someone they know is happy with a method. Or someone they trust, right? Exactly, exactly. Then they come in, or, or someone on Facebook sometimes, <laughs> but if they come in and they say, that's the thing I want to try because she liked it. And on the contrary, the same thing is true. If someone tells me, my friend had the worst experience putting, getting her IUD put in, I heard it was torture, then mm-hmm. I don't want to have that either. And it, then it takes double to convince them that, well, that's not the way I put in on my IUDs. I do it mm-hmm. this way so that I'm, it's much less um, you know, painful or, or terrifying for somebody. So definitely the friend thing is a big factor in people coming in and inquiring, both in what they might want and what they totally don't want. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like people in your life or people who are tangential kind of to you have a lot of power and sway in like what you think is the best thing for you. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, okay, we got two more questions. The first one is, where do you see birth control going in the next five to ten years and beyond? Okay, well, definitely I've seen a trend, let's say, in the last two years, and I think, and I, I'm not, I know we're not here for me to talk about political things, but Absolutely. Oh, you can. You can go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the highest increases, the biggest jumps in women coming in and asking for what we call LARC methods, which are long-acting reversible contraception, and that would be IUDs and Nexplanon uh, subdermal the, under the skin implant, was right after the last presidential election because there was a lot of word, a lot of grumbling in the street that the... Um, uh, provision in Obamacare in the American in the um, Affordable Care Act that women were entitled to a method of free birth control um, was going to go away. So a lot of women um, decided, "Wow, if that goes away, I better get my method of long-acting birth control in me right away, so that it's already there and no one can then take it away from me." Mm-hmm. So we saw a huge surge. I mean, up until that point. I was putting in maybe one IUD a week, maybe one every other week. From that point till now, in my practice, we probably put in three or more IUDs a week with the wow. biggest surge, the biggest surge coming right after the election. Like we couldn't keep them in stock enough. I usually keep 10 of each type of IUD in stock in my like uh, uh, cabinet, you know, for people 
to come in and have them inserted. I couldn't keep them in stock enough because, you know, and just a, a mention about, you know, running a private practice, I have to do what we call like buy and bill. You know, I buy them ahead of time. So I stock all these IUDs. And then when I put it in somebody, that's when we bill their insurance company. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to keep dozens of them in stock all the time in order to put enough in. And, and that's actually where I do see the trend going, that people are trending more towards these methods where they're more long-term, they don't have to think about it, they, you know, only want to take it out when either they want to put another one in or they want to have a baby. So uh, it's not as much um, of a birth control pill on my new starts as it is on these long-acting ones, and and that's just been an ongoing trend. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about like way, like way beyond? So that gets into our next question about male birth control. So can you talk about the literature out there and the studies that are currently going on um, to kind of move towards male birth control? And like, what do you think about that? Do you think it will be a common thing? What will that look like? Well, I definitely think that that is um, a wave of the future. There are definitely studies going on right now um, where uh, there's a birth control pill that men can take where it actually uh, acts as a testosterone. Um, uh, uh, it's not testosterone, but it's kind of like a testosterone fake. Like it mm-hmm. fools your body into thinking that you're getting more testosterone and, and has a method of... Uh, reducing the sperm count so it actually drops circulating testosterone levels hmm. um so and in the small in the small studies that they've had so far i don't think there's been more than a couple of hundred men in these studies um they have had very good results um where the, temporarily these pills would be considered a safe reversible hormonal male contraception however um anyone who's been involved with these studies kind of thinks that they probably won't be available for about the next maybe seven to ten years. Mm. So you Because know, there's a lot more testing to do or what? I think they have to have these controlled studies where they have thousands and thousands of men in the studies. And mm-hmm. so they want to find the, the, whatever the compound is that has the fewest side effects and is the most effective at temporarily reducing sperm. And, you know, unfortunately, um, one of the side effects that men are worried about, although they haven't found this much in the studies, um, is um, erectile dysfunction or, again, just like in female birth control, what about future fertility, you know? Mm-hmm. So people have been worried about that. But um, it looks like that is the next uh, big thing on the horizon. So that's great. And there are definitely ongoing studies right now in, you know, by endocrinologists and fertility specialists that are uh, looking for the thing that, that they can bring to the market in that case. So how does it exactly work, though, so that people would, male identifying people would take a pill every day and that would reduce their sperm count so it would be less likely? Like, how effective would that even be if you reduce sperm count when you still have a potential of getting someone pregnant? Yeah, they're looking for the level or the dosage that w- it would be a daily pill, but they're looking for the dosage that would decrease sperm count enough so that so it would go to zero temporarily. Mm. Yeah. And then the same mm-hmm. thing when you go off it, then it, it should come back to normal. Effectively, yeah. It should That's be so reversible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anything else that you want to talk about? This is all great. Um, I don't know. 
I just think um, it's definitely uh, important for uh, women to take control of birth control, I really think, because even though um, it should be a 50-50 prospect, as you know, we've talked many times about how whose responsibility is it for contraception, um, I still believe that there's always going to be this stigma that it's because the women are the ones who would bear the pregnancy, I think they really have to be on top of it as far as um, what can they best do to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, you know, of course, I always recommend condoms to my patients to um, uh, eliminate or decrease the possibility of STDs and, of course, also for contraception. But, you know, these methods, these hormonal methods, these long-term methods, there's so many things out there that I do think that for almost everybody it's possible to find something that would work for them with minimal side effects that are intolerable. If you've had painful sex, you are not alone. Nearly one third of women have experienced pain during sex in the last 90 days. Pain is a signal from your body worth listening to. Painful sex can have many sources. Often the pain is coming from tightness and Millie can help. Millie is the gentlest, most recommended vaginal dilator to relieve painful intercourse, enabling faster progress and ultimately freedom from painful sex. Unlike old-fashioned static dilators, Millie goes in with one insertion and you can control the dilation one millimeter at a time. You can overcome painful vaginal tightness. Learn more at www.milliemedical.com. All right, now is my time to shine, folks. Just kidding, but not really. I wanted to have a little monologue in the middle of this episode to share my journey with birth control thus far in my 26 years of life. And you bet your sweet tush, it has been a journey. It truly feels like I have used every form of birth control. Not all at once, of course, but these are the ones I remember. Condoms, the Depo-Provera shot, the Mirena IUD, the NuvaRing, and truly over 10 different brands of birth control pill. I wish this wasn't what I've experienced. I wish I was one of the many seemingly friends of mine who have asked about this and who have responded, oh yeah, I've been on the same pill for the last 10 years and I love it and I basically stopped getting my periods now. <laughs> it's so great, right? And I never get acne and my period's so light and I barely use a tampon. So yeah, I'm all set with my birth control. I'm great. If you're someone who struggled so hard when it comes to birth control like me, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Something important to mention is that when I was a teenager, I had cystic acne. Folks, it was bad. You know how people say being ugly as a kid grounds you and maybe you'll be the funny one because you definitely aren't the cute one? Well, that was kind of like me. I don't think I was ugly, but that acne was really bad and made me feel ugly. I had to go to the dermatologist and get injections in my cystic pimples with huge needles. That's how bad it was. This was going on for a few years in early high school and thankfully all went away when I turned 17, just in time for college. Another thing about me is that I have anxiety and OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. These things are pretty commonly talked about nowadays and I've never been one to be embarrassed about my mental health, but I do hate thinking about how these things manifest for me. Sometimes I feel really out of control, can't stop replaying the same thoughts in my head over and over again. 
Sometimes I have slight panic attacks and can get pretty stressed out easily. Acne, anxiety, and OCD have always been intertwined with my birth control experience. Now, getting to the fun part, the symptoms I've experienced on certain birth control methods. I don't really remember too much about how I experienced the depot shot and one or two kinds of birth control pills as a teen because it was just kind of something everyone was doing and no one was reflecting on at the time. I don't know about you, but as a 15-year-old, I wasn't thinking about how birth control was potentially making me gain weight or changing my periods or my moods or even how it was or wasn't impacting my acne. There was one thing to worry about and one thing only, which was don't get pregnant. Truly, that was the only thing on my mind when I was in high school and early college. And that all changed when I got the Mirena IUD. I went abroad to Italy for six months and decided to get the Mirena before I left. I thought it'd be an easy thing I wouldn't have to worry about daily, and I had heard a lot of good things about it. When I came back, the worst had happened. My cystic acne had returned. Welcome back, acne. Feeling ugly again was not ideal, especially as I was about to graduate from Berkeley and start a new chapter in my life. I was 21 and had to go on Accutane to make it go away. I later realized that it was an uncommon but probable side effect of the Mirena. I took the Accutane, got the Mirena out of my uterus, and the acne slowly but surely and thankfully disappeared. My mom, who you just heard, always tells me that my experience was not the norm, but I didn't really care because it felt like the norm to me. Fast forward to ages 22 through 25 through the parade of varying kinds of birth control pills. Lavora, Loestrin, Ocella, Orthotricycline, Seasonique, Bayaz, Nora BE, Microgestin. And these are just the ones I remember. Isn't that super fucked up? That's eight different kinds of pills in three years. While I didn't keep a birth control diary while I was on these pills, which is something I'll always regret, I remember how they made me feel. On some, I got headaches that were too intense to bear. Some made my anxiety feel a hundred times worse and like I couldn't breathe when things got too hard or too out of control for me. Some made my periods heavier than ever before, lasting for seven to eight days per month. Some made my acne really, really bad. Some made my vagina so dry that pain during sex was inevitable. And the list goes on. I'm sure that some of these birth control pills worked for me in some capacity. For example, if one of them was giving me bad headaches, maybe at the same time it was making my periods lighter. But the point is we shouldn't have to deal with such horrible side effects just to prevent pregnancy. And again, maybe I'm the small percentage my mom was talking about who aren't the quote-unquote norm when it comes to getting bad side effects from their birth control. But again, I don't really give a fuck because even if it's not the norm, it happened to me and I'm sure many other people are going through this. And it's something no one should have to go through. This has been a struggle for me for as long as I can remember, and I just wish it was easier. Sometimes we do feel alone in our experiences, and we feel like we're the only one dealing with shit like this, but it's important to remember that we're really not alone. There are so many people who go through the ebbs and flows of birth control, and it's about time that we start talking about it more honestly and openly, don't you think? That's why I'm so happy about my next guest, Alice, who truly made me feel like there are so many people out there just like me who are having a hard time on their own birth control journey, and she's one of them. Here I am with Alice Pelton. So 
let's go ahead and get started. Alice, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. And finally, in season three, we are doing it. Um, and that's all about big control. Yeah, really happy to have you um, all the way across the pond in the UK. Um, <laughs> and I would love to start out by just asking you if you can just say your name and a little bit about your background um, and kind of where, where your story starts. Sure. Um, so my name's Alice Pelton. I'm originally from the UK. Um, I live in London. Uh, I've worked in publishing and digital product management for uh, just over sort of seven or eight years. And recently I've launched The Lowdown, which is a review platform for contraception. Incredible. And I'm so excited to hear about your story and why you started this and, and where you're going, because I think this is a genius idea. Like, I really do, and I wish I was, like, fucking with you and how serious I am about that, but I think it's, like, amazing, like, how <laughs> how you have created this thing that I and so many other people have probably wanted for a really long time. Uh, and we'll kind of get into what it is, but I would love to hear you talk about your own experiences with birth control. Um, what kinds did you use? Uh, what side effects did you experience and how did that kind of, um, you know, impact the work that you're doing with the lowdown? Yeah. So I, I went on, um, when I first started having sex when I was about 16, I went on a, a brand of combined pill called Microgynon. Um, and only when I kind of went off the pill and back on it again a few years later did I, I start to realize the impact it was having on the way I felt. Um, uh, I, I sort of have really irrational outbursts. I cry all the time about absolutely nothing. Um, I remember once I cried with my friends because it was my parents' wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, they, and they were like, um, okay. Um, <laughs> You're all right? <laughs> Um, and I'm much a, you know, uh, uh, I, uh, before then, I, you know, I, was, I think of myself as a relatively um, stable, um, uh, you know, kind of structured person who I, I just felt very, very different on the pill. And um, I also had these huge sort of real low periods where I just felt really, really flat and down and yeah really really hard and um i kind of so many teenage girls get you know go on the pill and 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 it's a time where you really don't know much about your own hormones anyway so you you sort of don't question or you know you're not really sure whether it's you or whether it's your pill and 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 so then continued a sort of 10-year period of my life where i was really trying to find a contraception that worked and that didn't have um that kind of impact on my mood and my emotions and, and ultimately my mental health. So um, I must have tried over sort of seven brands or different types of pill and there was, I, I think I just persevered for so long because I think there's always an expectation that your body will kind of get used to it or, you know, um, kind of, or, or that you kind of will just have to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst I was going through this kind of search, um, I came across sort of four problems which have really become the basis for the lowdown. And the first is that there isn't, I couldn't find anywhere any sort of data on side effects, um, except 
for like the long list that's in the um the, the packet uh, the the uh the you know the label that you get in in the pill packet mm. uh, i you know i was always like going to my gp like yeah, but sure you know what what proportion of women felt like that or you know is this pill better for people who have this or you know and i just couldn't really find the answers i was looking for mm-hmm. um so that was the first problem the second problem was that you have to try something to know and i just found that immensely frustrating you know they'd say oh go away give it three months try it out and see how you get on with it and then you know and I was like, surely in a world where we can put a man on the moon, there is a better way to be dealing with this problem other than mm-hmm. just literally try everything that you can, you know, find. Right. The, third problem was, the third problem was that the internet can be sometimes a bit of a scary place for health advice. And, you know, sometimes you're reading forums and Google searching and you're kind of thinking, well, I'm not sure, you know, is that, that just that person's view or, or you know, and then the right. fourth problem was that doctor's appointments are pretty short. Um, um, so you don't have that much time in, in the UK. Um, I can't speak for America, but you don't have that much time with your, with your GP or your doctor. And you kind of need to go into that conversation with as much information as you, you, know, you can get your hands on to make the most of it. Totally. And it is really similar in the US. I feel like I've heard people kind of share that when they're at the doctor, they're kind of getting rushed out the door. And I've definitely had that mm. experience when I've been like, wait a minute, I have so many more questions specifically yeah. about this birth control and how it's going to make me feel. And they're like, well, sorry, I have another appointment, so bye. Um, so there's yeah. not much that you can do in that moment. Um, cool, that's that's amazing. Those are all like problems I totally relate to. Um, so the lowdown, it's the world's first peer-to-peer review site for birth control. How does it work? So, yeah, it's basically like, I mean, it's been dubbed TripAdvisor for the pill. And basically women um, and men um, and, you know, non-binary people can go on there and submit a review um, about a a method of contraception that they've tried or that they are using. Um, And you submit a short review. um, We ask you a number of questions about yourself, um, how you found it, whether you had any positive and negative side effects how you'd kind of rate it for satisfaction. And then you can add some comments in there about your experience. And we then collate um, and analyze all of those results and produce graphs and statistics that show, you know, by method and, and brand of, of, of method, you know, ha- how it made most people feel, what the top side effects were. Um, and we, yeah, that's basically how it works. That's awesome. And can a user like customize or filter the data on the lowdown for their specific characteristics, like their age or their height or their experiences on other forms of birth control, anxiety, like things like that? Yeah. Um, you can search for reviews on, and you can filter by, you know, who the person is, how old they are, how cool they are, whether they've had children or not, um, how they rated it, whether they still use it, how it impacted their mood, weight, sex drive, and uh, that's kind of version one of the product, but I'm fully aware of how useful it would be to also be able to search for the kind of next stage, which is, I didn't like this, but I did like this, you know, Mm -hmm. and and what that data is, and also, um, I'd like to be able to search, um, I'd like people to be able to search for specific side effects, because sometimes you just want to know whether your experience is the normal, the exception, and I think that can be quite helpful for people to be able to go on there and 
there are some strange side effects or things that happen while you take contraception. It's quite reassuring sometimes to go on and see mm-hmm. if, you know, if other people found the same thing. Right, and I, I feel like the most common answer that you get, like at the doctor when you're talking to your friends, is like, oh, everyone's really different. And that's totally true, and everyone has their own experiences. But when there are trends in the data, like then you gotta you got to look somewhere, right? It can't just be like a coincidence that like X number of people are experiencing X side effect on X pill. Exactly. And I think the one thing I would say about that, and that's often, you know, people say to me, but surely everyone's different. Well, I kind of thought that too. So last year we did a a survey which I sent out to some of my friends whilst I was researching for the lowdown and I sent it to a couple of you know 20 or so of my friends and within two weeks I'd have 500 responses from people so you know people had shared it and shared it and shared it and that data even though it's a relatively small sample size has some really interesting trends in it and some correlations and um, what was really interesting for me was the brands of pill which um, are essentially the same in that they have the same, um, form, you know, hormones, but they're called different brand names. Um, they they actually almost were a, a fantastic way of testing whether people were capturing their side effects, you know, um, honestly or, or correctly. Um, and because you, you notice that the side effects for those brands, even though they were called different names, are exactly the same thing, were very mm. similar. So, um, you know, although everyone's different, what, what we are seeing, and to be honest, I think this is one of the first times this, this data has been sort of readily available for anyone to go and look at, is there are correlations and there are trends, um, and that's what's been really exciting for me. Absolutely. Um, kind of segueing into the most common complaints of the users on the lowdown about their birth control methods, and then kind of on the other side of it, what do people like the best? What's their favorite birth control on the market? Um, before we talk about complaints, I personally wanted to say that there is lots of positive stuff on there, and I'm yeah. really pleased. I don't want to sound like I'm anti-contraception. I'm very right, pro-contraception, and I obviously think it offers people huge opportunities, and, um, you know, I've found types of contraception which which suits me really well. So, um, you know, they've got really good stuff in there around um, people talking about how it's help, helping them understand their bodies better and increasing their sex drive or, you know, improving their sex life, and, and that's really good. Um, but, you know, there are issues, and, and I think the kind of top side effects, the most common things are um, things like tender breasts. So half of, of the people who've left a review at the lowdown, 50%, um, have report that contraception makes their breasts more tender, um, increase vaginal discharge, wound cramps. Um, I think they kind of come from the, you know, the IUS and the IUD. Um, and then fourth on the list is negative impact on moods and emotions. So currently 46 pe- sorry, 46% of people who left the review um, said that it's in- impacted their mood and their emotions negatively. Mm. Um, which is quite 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 a lot of people, really. Oh yeah, um, half. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, um, and then there's a whole a whole kind of gamut of side effects from sort of spots to um, migraines to brush to you know latex allergies. Um, but those are those are just a, a, an idea of some of the top ones. 
Awesome. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that you said that about being pro contraception. I think for myself, I'm in this own bubble of like liberal kind of politics of like, yeah, of course I support contraception. Duh. Like whoever doesn't support yeah. contraception sucks. And at the same time being critical of like, okay, this, the pill, for example, like hasn't really changed since the 1950s. And like all mm. these like complexities around birth control that like, it's so important for listeners to know that like, contraception gives people act like giving access to contraception gives people who want it and need it so many opportunities. And that's like first and foremost. And then there's like the, the next part, right. Of like, okay, but is it working the way it should be working? And like, yes. And like, yes, it, you know, if it's perfect or, you know, perfect use, depending on the contraception, there's like from whatever the contraception is like, some in the 80% to like 99% effective of at doing its job, which is preventing pregnancy. But, you know, all of the side effects that do come along with that, that many, many people experience should not go on, you know, not talked about, you know? Yeah. And I think there is, um, when the pill first came out, it obviously hugely revolutionized people's lives. Um, And now I think we're sort of in this, kind of the trough of disillusionment with it and that's that's kind of normal you know things kind of wow it's exciting and then you know several decades later you realize hang on a minute you know there are side effects and you know why should women have to put up with this etc so um but you know I'm just I just always I'm conscious when I'm talking about my own story that I can come up quite one-sided and I I am I'm not trying I'm just genuinely trying to create and the whole point of creating the lowdown is to provide a kind of unbiased, structured way of presenting, you know, people's experiences and structuring those experiences in a way that you can filter and search and, you know, and accept that everyone, whilst they may be different, there, there might be some interesting correlations. So almost trying to step back and, and let people share in a way that is, is, is more productive. Absolutely. Yeah. We are on the same page, Alice. Um, okay. So how about, yeah, how about a favorite birth control that you or, and or the users of the lowdown have on the market, which has like the highest ratings, the trends mm-hmm. that say like, oh, this birth control is working for people all around. With the highest satisfaction is actually the, um, the hormonal, uh, coil, um, or IUD as you, you guys call it in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got, um, I think that's got the highest rating at the moment for a number of reasons. Um, it's slightly, you can see the reviews on there, uh, people are talking about the fact that it has slightly lesser impact on their mood because the hormone is administered in your womb and it's more localised rather than having to be ingested in a pill or, and go into your liver and things like that. Um, 53% of women who've used um, the hormone or IUD have said it's made their periods lighter and mm-hmm. obviously we shouldn't make the assumption that everyone wants their periods to be lighter, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Um, so that seems to be another thing that's coming out. Um, less painful than the copper IUD is another thing that's coming out. And people just remarking that it's nice to have something that's long-term. You don't have to think about it, you know, unless there's issues with it. And um, so whilst it's not for everyone, it currently is doing quite well for those reasons. And that mm-hmm. in the UK, there's, there's a huge rise in, in kind of long-acting um, reversible contraceptives like, like the coils. The other thing I'd say is that 
good old condoms seem to be coming back in fashion, really. Good old condoms. Not that they ever went out of fashion, but I, I guess there are, you know, there are a subset of women who do just sort of feel fed up with hormonal, you know, contraceptive side effects and are just thinking, well, actually, you know, I just use condoms when I have sex or with my partner and, and that kind of works for us. So right. um, that's kind of another interesting theme that's, that's coming up as well. Totally. Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff. I wish everyone talked about these things all the time. Um, <laughs> what are your hopes for the lowdown? I know you all recently kind of came out with this site and kind of are, mm-hmm. are just starting to see trends and get a lot of data. And I'm wondering where do you see the future of the lowdown and like birth control? Like where do you, where do you see it? Where do you, where do you hope it goes? So um, I, I guess the next step for us is, is to do that thing that I talked about a, a bit earlier around um, being able to help um, people find the right contraception for them based based on some of the data that we've collected. So, you know, if we knew that um, somebody, women, your age, life stage and BMI found that Yaz didn't work for them, you know, for reason X, but mm-hmm. the Morena was better, you know, would that be helpful? I think that would be really helpful. But my my vision is to help kind of create and build predictive models like that um, to help um, to help guide people um, down a path that they may or may not choose to take. Um, and then generally, I'd like to see the contraception conversation become less patronising. I think uh, I think on the whole, uh, um, women are kind of we, we deserve, I think, proper statistics, a much better understanding of the risks, the ingredients, the hormone types, you know, the after effects. There's so much stuff going on, and I think I'd just love to see that, uh, you know, kind of come, come out a bit more. Um, and ultimately, I hope, you know, we, we just need better options. Um, like you mentioned, there hasn't been a huge amount of innovation in this space for at least the last, sort of, you know, decades and and, that, and the truth is there are so many ways you can stop people from getting pregnant um, mm-hmm. and most of, unfortunately most of the contraceptives we use work in very similar ways um, they either you know stop sperm reaching an egg barrier stop a woman from ovulating mainly in the same way or sort of aggravate aggravate um, which sounds awful but isn't you know kind of irritate the wound slightly like with the coils mm-hmm. um, there are so many other ways um, you know, and scientists have said there are so many other ways we can stop things from happening, people from getting pregnant. But mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel like, you know, I really want to try and help use the lowdown to lobby, educate, push forward. You know, there must be better options. Did you know that one out of every three women-identifying individuals have reported having painful sex within the last 90 days? There are so many reasons why people can experience this type of pain, and there's an incredible tool out there that can help. Meet Millie. Millie is a vaginal dilator for people with vaginas who have painful intercourse. Millie's single insertion, one millimeter at a time expansion puts the user in control. It can relieve physical pain from conditions like vaginismus, endometriosis, fibroids, cysts, IBS, surgery, chemotherapy, and emotional pain like anxiety, depression, and stress. Learn more about why so many women are choosing Millie at www.milliemedical.com. 
Our creator, producer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our assistant producer is Kathy Cohen. Our graphic illustrator is Alana Rance. Our sound engineer is Oliver Devone. Our fundraising co-coordinator is Jamie Cooper. And our other fundraising co-coordinator slash content assistant is Callie Cochran. Our music is by Ben Sound and Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured voices, sponsors, and our listeners. Tune in next time. 